0: good morning everybody six minutes past nine o'clock here in western north carolina welcome to a monday morning wake-up call on sports country radio it's october 2nd 2023 it's already october the year just flying by what a um a rough day in the nfl yesterday we've got a lot to get to uh as far as that goes uh the patriots absolutely embarrassed yesterday and suffered a couple of injuries to boot but there is a big problem in New England they have a quarterback problem there's no other way to put it um, there's they, they've got some something they've got to figure out there's a quarterback problem uh in Pittsburgh uh Kenny Pickett suffered a knee injury yesterday he hasn't been playing well anyway uh there's a quarterback problem in Cincinnati Tennessee absolutely tuned up Cincinnati yesterday, 27-3. Uh, so that's an issue. Um, so there are some, uh, some problems. Uh, New Orleans got uh, whacked by Tampa Bay. Nice bounce-back game for Baker Mayfield. Um, did not think that Derek Carr was going to play for the Saints yesterday. He did. Probably shouldn't have. Uh, but there uh, and and there were some surprises around the NFL yesterday. Uh, even though the team that was supposed to win did, you know, the the Chiefs and the Jets. That was a uh, uh, a nail biter and pissed off a lot of gamblers. By the way, <laughs> when uh, Patrick Mahomes slides down instead of scoring the touchdown, I think the Chiefs were an eight and a half or nine point favorite. If he goes in for that score there, which he could have. The Chiefs win that game by 9 or 10 points, and all the gamblers are happy because there was a lot of money put down on the Chiefs covering that spread. Um, so that that's going to piss some people off. And then the, uh, the Eagles escape in overtime against a very game Washington commanders team. That commanders team has surprised a lot of people. They've won a couple of games and uh, had a chance to win yesterday. Uh, matter of fact, got the ball first, and overtime did absolutely nothing with it. But so we've got a lot to get to this morning. Uh, but I, before we get to the football stuff, I'm going to start with baseball, um, and I, and I have to start with the, the news that came down yesterday that uh, Tim Wakefield passed away, longtime pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, did did Tim Wakefield have a Hall of Fame career? No, but he was a Hall of Fame human being, and that's more important. Uh, now. They, having said that the guy still won 200 games uh, in in, uh, in the major leagues he was 200 and 180 you know and he had an era of like you know about 4.4 somewhere in there um, but he was a member of that Red Sox team that broke the curse they, he won two championships with the Red Sox um his number of starts and innings pitched um team records, He's pitched three thousand innings with the Red Sox, four hundred and thirty starts, uh, five hundred and ninety appearances. His hundred and eighty-six wins as a member of the Red Sox, by the way, only Roger Clemens and Cy Young had more wins in a Red Sox uniform than Tim Wakefield. Uh, you know, and and look, um, perhaps though uh, a lot of well, obviously you know people loved him, but he was one of those guys when he was pitching. There were two things you knew: a, the game was going to get over with quick because he just got the ball through. I mean, that was like you knew when he was pitching, uh, it was going to be, a, you know, two hours and 15, two hours and 20 minutes. It was going to be a quick one. Um, but you you also knew that it was going to be a pack of rollades because, you know, that knuckleball, depending on the day, it was either unhittable or very hittable. Um, but his career after being a player is maybe even more important. Now he got involved with the Jimmy Fund and a lot of charity work with the Red Sox as a player, but he kind of became, he, he continued to do that when he retired. I mean, he lives in, he lives in Florida, but he was in new England almost as much as he was in Florida doing things for the Jimmy Fund. And, and, uh, uh he raised, uh, 10 million bucks for a preschool program, uh, in his native Florida um, he uh, had his own golf tournament that raised a bunch of money for charity. But this is a guy that was always there. He worked as an analyst for the Red Sox on their pregame and postgame shows as well as occasionally in the booth as part of a three-man booth. He was entertaining. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's tough because this is a guy that was loved. And this is this was just three days after that POS tournament uh, Kurt Schilling outed the fact that Tim Wakefield had brain cancer and had had surgery, and his wife had cancer, and and nobody knew any of this. This was this was the part that was hard. I mean, he kept this so private. He had surgery for brain cancer back on the fifteenth of September. He had been having some vision trouble, and uh, they did some tests and they found a tumor, and they said it was an aggressive form. They did surgery, and he had a seizure um, yesterday and passed away, um, just prior to the Red Sox, uh, final game of the season. It was also while the, uh, uh, the, the walk for cancer, the Jimmy Fund walk was going on that he was such a huge part of and, uh, it, people that, you know, it was a kind of a somber event. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're raising money for cancer, it's not exactly a time for celebration because it's a, a, a uh, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've all, all our families have been affected by cancer, but this was even more somber than usual. And, and to have it come so quickly, uh, was hard. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, three days after we find out he's got cancer, he's dead. But, uh, and this is a guy that just, uh, what last month, uh, the Jimmy fun telethon, he appeared, uh, on the zoom call and. Uh, actually donated $20,000 to the Jimmy Fund. He said, on behalf of my family. And when he signed off, he says, you know, I, I'll, thanks. I'll see you next week. And he looked great. Nobody had – he looked great a month ago. So uh, it's hard. It, it's hard. It's a guy that um, I worked, you know, for uh, six years at Fenway Park, and uh, he had retired. The, he retired the year that I started working there, but he was always around and he was everybody just loved him and and uh, uh and he always had a smile on his face so uh just a, 57 years old and that's i think that's maybe it hit me a little harder um because he was born 6 years after i was you know and it's just it's it's you know it's you know, you want to say it's not fair, but I, I, you can't say that because, you know, my my kids used to love to say that's not fair. You know what? I, I always used to tell them life's not fair and life deals us things and life is one challenge after another. And uh, Tim Wakefield uh, lived a full life, had a great career, a guy who was drafted in the eighth round by the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, set home run records as a player at Florida State. But quickly became apparent when he came to the majors he couldn't hit major league pitching. He was striking out like a third of the time. And uh, he had just been fooling around with uh, with a knuckleball, playing catch with one of his teammates. One of the coaches in Pittsburgh saw it, said, hey, look, you're not going to make it as a player. You know, you're probably never going to get above double A. But if you wanted to try pitching, this might be your way to get into the major leagues. Uh, and did it for the Pirates for a couple of years. Really struggled. Pirates released him. After two years, Red Sox picked him up. Spent 17 years in a Boston uniform. So uh, anyway, Tim Wakefield passed away, and uh, you know after losing losing Jerry Remy last year, and now Tim Wakefield, I mean a couple of guys that were beloved in Red Sox Nation. Um, that was that was a tough one. Um, other news around baseball yesterday: final game of the season, the Texas Rangers lose the the A.L.S. title. The Texas Rangers spent. 159 games <laughs> in first place. Think about that, right? Or 159 days, I should say, in first place this season. But at the end of the season, the Astros are the ones who end up with the division title because they had the tiebreaker uh, with the Rangers. The Rangers lose to the Seattle Mariners one nothing on the last day of the season. Uh, and uh, uh, that was brutal. Absolutely, bro. You feel bad for it, and look. But at the same time, as Bruce Bochi said, hey, you know what? Uh, we're in the playoffs, you know, and so you know this is a franchise that hadn't been in the playoffs for a while. Uh, Dane Dunning was pitching on three days rest because he knew they needed this game to guarantee it. He lasted three and a third innings, gave up you know four hits and a run. Pitched as well as he could for a guy on three days rest. Martin Perez did a great job out of the bullpen. But uh, George Kirby was better for Seattle. Six shutout innings, and then the bullpen does a great job, and uh, Seattle wins it one nothing. At the same time, the Astros beat the Diamondbacks eight to one, and so the Astros, because of those two things happening, end up as the AL West title, West uh, champions. It's their, uh, I think, their sixth West Western title, third straight. And after coming off their second World Series championship, they now earn a bye in the first round of the playoffs. That's that's how huge that was. Uh, Texas went from B, could have been the potential number two seed. They end up the five seed. So they end up playing in the wild card round. But not it's, it's not just that. The bad part is by being the five seed in that wild card round, it means they are playing on the road at Tampa and – in that best of three series, all the games, all the games are on the road. You know, and, and look, it, you know, that's I was against the whole wild card thing, but, it, you know, obviously there was a lot of uh, uh, excitement to the end of the season because of it, so I'm, I have a hard time, you know, criticizing it now. Um, but the one thing I do like about it is that the team that is the higher seed ends up getting all the home games, so I think that's great. So now, uh, as I said, the Rangers, the number five seed, will play at the number four seed, Tampa Rays. Um, the playoffs start tomorrow. Uh, the other AL Wild Card Series, the Blue Jays, uh, the number six seed, uh, will take on the Minnesota Twins. I actually like the Blue Jays to win that, even though it's on the road. And the Rangers, by the way, won the season series against Tampa four games to two. But that Tampa team just seems to find a way to win. Uh, Arizona backs into the playoffs. Arizona lost uh, its last four games, but they still get into the playoffs. um, And they will be the number six seed. They will play at Milwaukee for three games starting on Tuesday as well. And the Marlins will be at the Phillies. The Phillies beat the Mets yesterday, uh, and the Phillies are the four seed, and uh, they will play uh, Tuesday night. 8 o'clock, the Miami Marlins will be their opponent. So um, that's where the playoffs stand. Uh, the Red Sox win their final game of the season, not that it mattered really to anybody. I mean, Tanner Houck with his <laughs> – Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford had their best performances of the season, and people are excited about that. I, You know, I'm not too excited about it. Yeah, I know it was the Orioles, but I'm not too excited about it because the Orioles really had nothing to play for at the end of the day. They had already clinched the division title, you know, so I, I'm not – I wasn't too excited about it. I mean, you know, Kyle Braddish started yesterday, only won a couple of innings. I mean, who knows what happens if, you know – uh, so uh, you know it is what it is, but uh, the Red Sox have a lot of work to do in the off season, uh, as we know. The other, but I mentioned the uh, the Mets game, uh, the Phillies whacking them. Uh, it was the it turns out to be the final game for Buck Showalter, the manager of the uh, Mets, was fired after just two seasons, a-, a year removed, by the way, from being named the NL manager of the year. Last season they won 101 games. He was the manager of the year and now a year later he's out of a job. You know, and and I, you know, I get it. The expectations were high, right? But it just didn't come together and they had injuries and Justin Verlander and uh Max Scherzer when they were there were not right. Right? They had so many other uh Guys that underperformed, that they ended up with a fire sale at the trade deadline. And Showalter takes the heat. It's the uh, shortest managing uh, stint of his major league career, by the way. 22 seasons, he's never been somewhere for just two years. Um, whether he will manage again or not, who knows? I mean, he's not a young man, uh, but he's a guy who loves the game. So, you know, I wouldn't shock me. Uh, if we see him in another uniform. Uh, other news around baseball, the other thing that yesterday was notable for was there a bunch of people yesterday that uh, ended their careers or maybe have ended their careers, but the biggest one, Miguel Cabrera plays his final game as a member of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Tigers actually win the game 5-2. Cabrera played in the field. They put him at first base in the eighth inning. It was the uh, first time he'd played in the field in a couple of years. Uh, he actually thanked the team. He said that uh, that they gave him a chance to to play to say goodbye and uh, look. He's headed for the Hall of Fame. There's no denying that this is a guy who won a triple crown for God's sake. Uh, he, nobody else had uh, won the triple crown uh, before he did it in 2012. Nobody had done it since Carl Yastrzemski did it back in 1967. He was the AL MVP two straight years. Then I mean. He's you know, he was a perennial all star. You know, the last six or seven years he wasn't the Miguel Cabrera that everybody was used to. This is a guy that ended up with a career batting average of three hundred six. And think about this. In nineteen I mean in two thousand sixteen he hit three sixteen. That was the last of his all star appearances. He actually finished ninth in the MVP race that year. Uh, he hit 316 with 38 homers, 100 runs, 108 runs batted in. The year before that, he had hit 338. He hit, and when he won the triple crown, he hit 330. How about this? The year after that, he did even better. He hit 348. You know, this is a guy who's driven in as many as uh, 140 runs in a season, uh, 500 home runs. He is going to the Hall of Fame. 1881 runs batted in. I mean, he's a first-ballot guy. He's not going to be unanimous because only Mariano Rivera has done that, but probably should be. Um, The other uh, notable departure from that game, on the other side, Terry Francona closes out his managerial career with the Cleveland Indians, and not just with the Indians. It sounds like we won't ever see Terry Francona um, on a major league bench again. This is a guy whose health uh, has been – poor for the last few years and uh, he's missed a whole bunch of games because of his health and uh, he now he was funny he uh, he said yesterday you know I don't think I need to be eulogized he said but maybe after my doctor's appointment tomorrow you never know Uh, but you know Francona is a guy that uh, will always be loved in Boston because of what he did there Uh, he's 64 years old he's been a manager of the year three times uh, as I said, two championships with the Red Sox. He got the Cleveland Indians to the World Series in 2016. And, uh, and one of the good guys in baseball. One of the, it's just funny, you know, and a guy that just loves the game. But he said when he walked away from playing, he didn't look back and he doesn't think that he'll look back, you know, from managing and, and, and he said, look, you know, I just go on to the next thing. He said, maybe one day I get the itch. We'll see. I don't think, you know, I think if you ever see him in the game again, I think he would be great as an analyst, by the way. If he ever wanted to get into the booth, he'd be awesome. I don't know that he'll do it, but I'd love that because he's just a funny dude. So uh, that would be great. You know, Maybe you'll see him in the front office somewhere, but he said he he's done uh, as far as managing goes. Other guys that are stepping away, uh, Adam Wainwright retired yesterday as a member of the uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals where he pitched for his entire career. You don't see that anymore, folks. 18 years. He played for the St. Louis Cardinals, 200 career victories. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer? Hmm. He's a borderline guy. You know, you wonder. Uh, if you look at baseball reference, which is what a lot of people do, he comes up just short. Uh, I don't know how many more people will win 200 games in this day and age. 200 and 128, not too shabby. But, you know, you look at it, he never won a Cy Young uh, but this is a guy that that uh, uh, won 20 games a couple of times in his career, won 19 a couple other times, so he is probably a borderline guy, but I don't think he makes it. He, he winds up in the uh, hall of very good, so he steps away. Other guys that may have played their last game yesterday, Zach Reinke, Uh in his final appearance uh, beats the New York Yankees uh, rough year this year, 2-15 and 15, Zach Grenke with an ERA of 5. Uh, this is most likely it for him. 225 career wins. This is another guy that is going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. I actually think that Zach Greinke probably gets in. He he won't get in in the first ballot. But again, looking at the uh, baseball reference, he's close, real close. Um, So it would not surprise me to see him get in. He never won 20 games. He did win a Cy Young. Uh, and finished second another time in one, but he won a Cy Young back in 2010 uh, or, and when he went 16-8 uh, and eight as a member of the Royals with a 2.16 ERA. He was dominant that year. Uh, and obviously, you know, look, uh, spent some time in Houston, spent some time with the Dodgers, but uh, ended up coming back, pitching his final couple of years in Kansas City. So he is probably done uh, at the age of 40. And uh, Joey Votto, there's questions about whether Joey Votto will play again. Uh, he, by the way, if this was his last game at age 40, he got thrown out. <laughs> he got thrown out of the game uh, on Sunday. Uh, finishes with a 294 career batting average, 356 home runs. Uh, guy who was he won an MVP. Uh, he was an all-star, I think, uh, seven times. Uh, finished second in the Rookie of the Year balloting back in uh, 2008, uh, again, this is a guy that you look at him, and he is uh, one of these guys that will be a borderline Hall of Famer. He's going to come up short, but he is another one of those members of the Hall of Very Good and uh, loved playing in Cincinnati, played in Cincinnati for 17 years. So you got guys like Wainwright and Vado who just played in the same place for an entire career. Again, very, very unusual uh, in, uh, in the 2000s to have anybody... Uh, play for one team for that long uh so that's it for the baseball uh before we're going to take a break here in a couple of minutes but we might as well start talking about what a disaster yesterday was for the new england patriots and you know uh, <laughs> Dan Zampano, who was on our show on friday said he thought that this might be a competitive game we didn't you know uh but uh uh, he did pick Dallas to win the game, but he thought that the Patriots had a chance to keep this one close. Uh, by the way, Dan doing a great job this week. 6-0 and on his picks this week. Uh, he's got Seattle beating the Giants tonight. He could be a perfect 7-0. Uh, and Disappointing week the week before, but uh, came up big this week. But, uh, uh, look, a couple of things have become apparent. And I've, I said this on the air. I think the Patriots, are. I think they stink. I think that they will be lucky to win six games. I think there will begin to be some rumblings about whether Bill Belichick survives the season. I think he should, by the way. At this point, what difference is it going to make? Your team is your team. What you've got is what you've got. You know, you're not making radical changes and making this team better in Week 5. You know what I mean? I mean, they're 1-3. and They are what they are. You know, Dan thinks that the the, – The schedule is going to be is going to get a little bit easier for for them. I mean, and I guess you could say that when you look at their next couple of games, or New Orleans and Las Vegas. I don't have the confidence they can beat either. Well, actually, I think maybe they can beat New Orleans because that'll be a slugfest. That'll be like a thirteen to ten game. It's almost like a dumb off. Um, Vegas, you know, they got to play at Vegas. I'm not sure they win that game. And then they got to play Buffalo. Then they got to play at Miami. That Washington Commanders team is no no joke. That they've got to play the first week in November. Then the Colts, who are playing well, yeah, they got the Giants, but then they got the Chargers. They, they still have to play the Chiefs. Look, this schedule is not easy. I'm sorry. Uh, it maybe gets a little bit easier, but I think they win six games. And I think Bill Belichick is out at the end of the year. I, I think, I, well, because look, there were times yesterday that he, you know. I didn't understand the first possession of the game. You're playing against the Dallas Cowboys. You get all the way down to the six-yard line. You got a fourth and one. You kick a field goal. Gamble a little bit. Show some guts. Go for it. You know, now, having said that, later on in the game, they try to go for it on fourth and less than a yard, and they try the quarterback sneak, and and, and uh, Mac Jones can't pick it up, which, by the way, quarterback sneak when – when uh, Tom Brady was there, it was like automatic, right? Uh, they can't pick it up, and so they end up turning the ball over, and and so maybe, maybe Belichick was right. I don't know. Uh, I know this. Mac Jones handed the Cowboys this game. I didn't think the defense was horrible, but when your quarterback throws a couple of bad interceptions that lead directly to Dallas touchdowns, you know, what are you supposed to do? But even even at that, even if he doesn't do that and you take away those touchdowns that they scored, it's still 24 to 3. The Patriot offense was brutal. Brutal. Mac Jones 12 of 21, 150 yards, two interceptions. He can't get out of his own way. He only got sacked once, which was nothing short of a miracle. But he is Look, and I'm not a huge fan of Ben Volen from the Boston Globe, but he made a couple of points this morning. Look, one of the things that we are finding out about Mac Jones is that he has physical limitations. He doesn't have a strong arm, although he tries to make throws uh, that perhaps uh, he sees guys you know, make, like guys like Josh, Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, uh, you know, try to make these throws that, that he's, does, he doesn't have the physical ability to do. He's not fast. So, he, you know, if he gets in trouble in the pocket, he really doesn't have any escapability. Uh, he's not big. Now, having said 6'3", 214 pounds to the average human being, he's big. <laughs> right? But, but, you know, uh, as NFL quarterbacks go, he's not that big. So, you know, you have situations like when you're trying to go for it on fourth and one that he doesn't have the strength and size to do it. Um, and you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be Ben Volen, who thinks he's a genius to know and to, to see that that he has happy feet in the pocket. He doesn't look comfortable. He is a quarterback that looks overmatched. And it is becoming more and more apparent that perhaps the Patriots made a mistake. Not perhaps. It, looks like, it, it, it seems to be pretty clear that they've made a mistake. There was hope with bringing Bill O'Brien in, a new offense, that it was going to fix Mac Jones, quote-unquote fix him. There may not be any fixing him. This may just be a bust. It's it's as simple as that. Now, having said that, Bailey Zappi is not the answer either. You know, it's so, you know. But Belichick says after the game, well, you know, Mac Jones is still our guy, and the the response to that is duh, because there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Tom Brady is not suiting up tomorrow, right? There is nobody else. So you are stuck with him for the rest of the year, which is why you're going to have six wins. And it means that the Patriots are going to be drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. They don't have any choice, and they've got to get it right, which is why I think Bill Belichick is going to be gone. Or if he's not gone, they are at least going to strip away his GM title. And by the way, I I mentioned – I said to my wife yesterday, Bill Belichick's ego is so big – I am not sure that he would accept that. He might quit before he accepts having that stripped away from him. But it has become clear that, and and Dan Zampano has said this on our show many times, it has become clear that there is a big gap between Bill Belichick, the head coach, and Bill Belichick, the general manager. He is not a good evaluator of talent. It's become painfully clear so if the Patriots are going to have to reset again next year then uh, I don't think uh, Bill Belichick's the guy you want doing that you know and look look at you know you know Mac Jones aside and look they've made it look there's been some some guys they've got in this team you know Matt Judon who by the way got hurt yesterday it looks like it may be some kind of a bicep tear which is devastating for that defense. That defense has been pretty good. Uh, I mean, he could be out for a while. Christian Gonzalez, who has been great, hurt his shoulder in the first quarter, didn't return. Their secondary is decimated. If he's out, good Lord. You know, I mean, uh, Jonathan Jones is out, got an ankle issue. Jack Jones is out. Marcus Jones is out. Uh, You know, So, if Christian Gonzalez is out, it's going to be, you know, open season on the Patriots secondary. So, uh, but it's just – and, you know, and look at the signing name. Juju Smith-Schuster had one catch yesterday for 14 yards. You know, and Dan said this on Friday. You know, who's Mac Jones supposed to throw to? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. You know, Derek Henry is supposed to be the guy. And, I mean, Henry caught four catches, you know, 51 yards. But this team is just a train wreck right now, and it, there's no fixing it. So, if you're a Patriot fan, strap in, because it's going to be a long next uh, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, whatever it is. Uh, 36 minutes past here. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 38 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. Um, So the game, the the Taylor Swift game, otherwise known as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets, uh, um, I I guess, I want to call it a surprising performance by the New York Jets. Um, And by the way, I've had enough. I have had enough of taylor swift you know i i joked with dan on friday when we had him on here uh about the over under of how many times uh nbc would uh cut to taylor swift it's just enough already enough um you know uh uh, dan Zapano just checked in with me uh while we were on break and and uh uh, it's nice i always love it when dan and i agree because it doesn't happen that off that that often but uh you know, he just said to me. He said uh, that the offense has issues. He said, but uh, the thing with Mac Jones is a lot of the stuff now with Mac Jones is the same kind of stuff people say about, you know, Fields and Zach Williams. Or, or I mean, Zach Wilson. That if you're a great quarterback, you make the players around you better, right? Uh, and Mac Jones does not do that. That's what Tom Brady did all the time, right? I mean, Tom Brady, uh, you know, probably made a lot of guys around him a lot of money, right, because he made them look better. Mac Jones makes nobody look good. You know, actually, I take that back. You know who he makes look good? the uh, The equipment guy, because they can clean up his uniform after he, you know, after he uh, soils himself or gets, you know, dragged to the ground or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's time. It's time that the, that the, the Patriots recognize this. It's time to pull the plug uh, on the Mac Jones thing. N- and uh, not this year. God, please know If Look, like I said, you've hitched your wagon to this guy. So you might as well just drive it off the, <laughs> the, edge of the cliff and, you know, go down into the ravine with him because Belly Zappy's not the answer. If you you think it's bad now, put Belly Zappy in there because you know that's going to be you're going to start hearing that on social media all the time. We do not want that. It could just it'll only get worse. Anyway, back to Taylor Swift. <laughs> and look, <laughs> this is nothing against Taylor Swift, but it's just crazy. And the thing is now is that it's be beca- it's taken on a life of its own, and it's like. Now that she's with the uh, the Chiefs it's like obviously all all of a sudden it's like oh wow this, this football thing they actually said a thing today on the today show that more people in the United States and I I have a hard time believing this that there are more people in the United States who know who Taylor Swift is than know who the Kansas City Chiefs are Now as wildly popular as the NFL is in this country it is the number one sport in this country period i find that hard to believe i don't know who took this survey but i have a hard time believing that but you know it's and it's almost like now you know you're going to have these uh, the, the swifties as they call them you know making it seem like they've saved football because taylor swift is there i almost hope the relationship breaks up I, nothing against Travis Kelsey seems like, a, you know, he's a fun guy. And, you know, they'd make a great couple. They're, you know, a couple of good-looking people, whatever. But stop. You know, it almost, it almost overshadowed a very entertaining football game last night. And I will say this. And this is going to sound really crazy. If I'm the Patriots, I think I'd rather have Zach Wilson right now. <laughs> Than Mac Jones. Zach Wilson looked really good last night. Now, now having said that, Patrick Mahomes was terrible. He threw a couple of interceptions and then he threw another one that was called back because of a uh, a defensive holding call against Sauce Gardner. He could have had three picks last night. He wasn't very good, and they and the the picks he threw were awful. Zach Wilson played with confidence last night. He looked like a guy that was on a mission. And I don't know if it was because he was, you know, he knew the spotlight was on. With Taylor Swift was there. It's a national game. And he stepped up last night, and he gave his team a chance to win. Good for him. Don't get me wrong. He is not, you know, this is not like I, I think Zach Wilson is suddenly going to become an elite quarterback in the NFL. But last night. He stepped up when he needed to step up. So I I give him a lot of credit last night for not folding under the bright lights. You know, and maybe, and, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers was there last night. He actually flew in, I guess, from California after the surgery and got permission to fly, and he... And he said that, the, and supposedly the message that he sent to the team last night when he he, he met with them prior to the game was, relax, you know, it's it, just you know relax. And uh, <laughs> no, no, Aaron Rodgers he probably, he probably had a joint and hey man, it's gonna be all right, just relax. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether whether that was it I don't know whether maybe the the when you have Joe Namath basically calling you a bum whether that motivated Zach Wilson whatever it was he stepped up a little bit last night so I give him a lot of credit for that but Patrick Mahomes you know every now and then Mahomes has one of those games where he's just not very good now he still they still won the game he still made some big plays when he needed to. He, You know, I mean, uh, 18 for 30, 203 yards, a touchdown, a couple of picks. Um, but he ran the ball when he needed to, seven carries, 51 yards. And made some plays. And f- fortunately for the Kansas City Chiefs, they have Harrison Butker. Harrison Butker does not miss. You know, Greg Zerline, uh, Zerline uh, doinked one at the end of the uh, – of the first half, whether that would have made a difference or not. You know, I mean, it would have made it, what, 20 to 15? But at the end of the day, if you look at it, the Kansas City Chiefs did not score a touchdown in the second half. The Jets' defense, ladies and gentlemen, and Dan has said this, that, you know, look, that Jet defense is pretty good. They proved it last night. They played well, I, I, again, you know. I think that they got a little help from Patrick Mahomes because those interceptions were – were. uh uh, were pretty easy. And Kansas City still had 400 yards of offense, so it wasn't like the Jets shut them down, but they made the big plays when they needed to. And to be honest, that uh, that late call um, on Sauce Gardner, I thought was questionable. And... Uh, uh robert uh, Robert Salah the uh, the head coach of the jets was apoplectic and rightly so you know that's one of those calls it's kind of like you know a lot of times you say in basketball there's times when you put you put the uh, the whistle in the pocket right you just there's times when you just don't need to make that call and uh, on a play like that I thought that uh, uh it could have easily not been called. And Robert Solano did not let it go, by the way. He ended up getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct at the end of the game. And, and I, I think my wife said she was watching the, the replay, and she said, I'm pretty sure he called him an a-hole. He called the referee an a-hole. <laughs> so, well, it might have been. Um, but that was a gutsy performance, I thought, by the Jets last night. So uh, good for them. Uh, they get to play. The Jets play at Denver next week. That is a winnable game. No question about it uh you know look hey, hey you know good for denver uh but you know this week but they beat chicago so not you know, let's not get too excited if you're a denver bronco fan i think the jets can probably go out there next week and win that game i do you know i am not uh i am not so sure that the patriots will beat new orleans next week i think they should but that New Orleans defense is very, very good. And we've seen is how bad the, uh, uh, the Patriot offense is. So, as I said, that's going to be, you know, 13 to 10. I'll be curious to see what the over-under is for uh, when, uh, when the Vegas odds come out this week. That ought to be interesting. And the Kansas City Chiefs next week are on the road. Again, they will play at the Minnesota Vikings, a Vikings team that is 1-3. Uh, so Kansas City, you know, should should do well again next week. If you know, because I, I don't expect Patrick Mahomes will have another bad game like this. By the way, I, I say he had a bad game, but he also threw his 200th career touchdown pass, fastest anybody has ever done it in the NFL. He broke Dan Marino's record. He did it five. He threw his 200 touchdown pass in five fewer games than Dan Marino did. And Dan Marino is one of the all time greats. Uh, so uh, you know, not a great performance, but the Kansas City Chiefs will take it and please God. I, I hope she's not going to every game this season. I, please, I I hope that I hope that the fascination that she has with going to Chiefs games is over, or at least maybe the networks will start saying, "Okay, enough." But you knew NBC was going to beat us to death with it last night, and they sure did. 48 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left this morning. Take a quick look around the rest of the NFL. Look, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a problem, um, and uh, they got whacked by houston a surprising houston team look you gotta give houston credit they put up 30 points against them yesterday um and cj stroud you know the, the percentage maybe not where you want at 16 of 30 but he threw for 306 yards couple of touchdowns no interceptions did not get sacked houston ran the ball fairly well and uh that defense ended up knocking kenny pickett out of the game uh, kenny pickett Uh, with a knee injury, but even prior to the injury, just 15 of 23, 114 yards. They had to go to Mitch Trubisky to finish the game. Um, There is an offense problem in Pittsburgh. 225 yards of total offense in that game. And this usually pretty reliable Pittsburgh defense gave up 451 yards to the Houston Texans uh, that were supposed to be one of the worst teams in football and uh you'll you look up at the standings and you go they're two and two and right now everybody in that AFC south by the way two and two so that is going to be a dogfight but uh if the stretch that uh, Pittsburgh has of uh not having a losing season under their head coach is in big big jeopardy uh, and and you know, look, there was some questions about Kenny Pickett going into the season. Uh, I'm not ready to say that he's not the answer in Pittsburgh, but that is a big, big loss uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers if he's going to be out for any length of time. The other problem is what is going on in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, 20 of 30, 165 yards, just did nothing. Uh, Derrick Henry did what Derrick Henry does. 22 carries, 122 yards, average five and a half yards a pop. Dan said it on our air on Friday. If, If Tennessee had to run the football, they did. Ryan Tannehill did a pretty good job of controlling the game. Did throw a pick, but he had a touchdown pass. Uh, two hundred forty yards. <laughs> By the way, Derrick Henry, in addition to his one hundred twenty-two yards rushing, also threw a touchdown pass. How about that? <laughs> uh, you know, so you you look at that, and but if you are a Cincinnati fan, what in the devil is going on? This is Cincinnati is one in three. Joe Burrow is a guy that a lot of people. A lot of experts, and I am not an expert, but I thought he was going to be a, an MVP candidate this year. I thought he was going to have a huge year, and I'm not, you know, I'm not in the minority. And he has been awful. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, you'd look—you don't have a quarterback problem, but what you have right now is an offense problem. You know, Joe Mixon carried the ball 14 times. Joe Burrow threw it 30 times. But when you're down 24-3 at half, the running game goes out the window. But Cincinnati scored a field goal on its first possession and then nothing for the rest of the game. Uh, you know, and if if you're the Bengals at 1-3, and three, you've got to get this fixed, and you've got to get it fixed in a hurry. I mean – you're sitting at one and three and Baltimore is sitting at three and one. you're already a couple of games out of first place and that's not going to be an easy thing to dig out of and what what do we see 0 oh, and three teams have like an 11 percent chance of making the uh, the postseason. I don't know what the what the record uh, what the percentages are for a team that's one and three, but they've got a lot of work to do and uh, look they have to play at Arizona next week a game they should win. But that Arizona team has been pesky. They've got then they've got Seattle. They're have their hands full there. Then they have to play at the Forty ers Then they have to play Buffalo. I mean, their schedule is not that easy. They still have Kansas City on their schedule. They've got to play uh, Minnesota. Uh, you know, they've still got to play Pittsburgh twice. Now, you know, depending on what's going on with Kenny Pickett, those might be easier games than I think. But uh, there is an issue right now in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, and and I'm not sure whether he's – I don't know whether he's not healthy. I'm not sure exactly what the problem is. But they need to get it fixed, and they need to get fixed in a hurry. Um, Minnesota Vikings – I mean Minnesota Vikings, excuse me. The uh, the, uh, Miami Dolphins brought down to earth uh, after scoring 70 points last week. Josh Allen said just you know, and all the talk to a maybe an MVP. Uh, you know, and I, yeah, you know, I'm probably part of that getting carried away with how great he had been playing. Uh, but at the end of the day, Josh Allen said, "Hey, remember me? Twenty-one of twenty-five, three hundred and twenty yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and they put up forty-eight points on the Miami Dolphins." Now the Dolphins still had almost four hundred yards of offense. You know. Uh, They, you know, uh, Tua still threw for 282 yards. Tua wasn't awful, but what they did do is Tyreek Hill had one catch for 14 yards. One catch for 14 yards. Perhaps the most dangerous player in football. And look, you know, we saw times in the game where – Miami had some success going to players other than Tyreek Hill because Buffalo was concentrating so much on shutting him down. They even said, you know, there was one time they they lined up Tyreek Hill in the backfield and everybody was so worried about Tyreek Hill that it ended up being an easy touchdown. And they said on the you know on the broadcast, this is why Tyree Kill is probably going to be the MVP is because everybody knows what a big difference maker he is, and you have to account for him at all times. Well, Buffalo did a great job of shutting him down, and and us, you know, look, you know, you can only do so much, but that defense could not stop Josh Allen. And uh, the other uh, big game yesterday, the Rams almost gave one away. They had a twenty-three nothing lead, blew it. Came all the way back, ended up winning the game 29-23 in overtime. But, man, uh, I, I take my hat off to Dan for going 6-0 and this week because there are a lot of results in the NFL this season uh, that have not gone according to Hoyle. Not, not what you would expect. Uh, tonight's game, Seattle at the Giants. It does not look like Saquon Barkley is going to play. Seattle probably wins that game easily. Without Saquon Barkley, uh, the New York Giants have been neutered. Because that's really the only threat they have offensively. So if he's out, uh, the Giants are out. So uh, another game in the Meadowlands, and it's going to be another disappointed New York crowd. That's going to do it for us here this morning. Uh, no show tomorrow, but we will be here on Wednesday. So we'll see you Wednesday morning, uh, at 9 o'clock. Hope you can join us then. We're going to leave you this morning with some music uh, from Vince Gill, Just uh, uh, to remember, Tim Wakefield's called Go Rest Eye on That Mountain. And uh, we will see you on Wednesday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.